Hello and welcome to Sharp China. I'm Andrew Sharp, and you are listening to a free preview of today's episode. To keep it moving, William says the front page of the New York Times on Friday was the latest example of how China is projecting power around the world. The FBI raided an office in New York's Chinatown that housed, in effect, an overseas Chinese policing operation. I admire the intelligence displayed in this cynicism forum, but I would argue that it's too heavily focused on the tea leaves in the Politburo. The more urgent task for China watchers, I would argue, is to start intense debates in the U.S. and elsewhere about questions like these: How do we stop the Chinese from engaging in massive espionage operations? How do we secure our IT systems against penetration by the Ministry of State Security? And how do we prevent the Chinese government from spending billions on deceptive advertising on Facebook? Any thoughts? So, um, uh, the a bunch of thoughts. Um, there's already a lot of work being done around uh, counterespionage work, cyber security,、mm-hmm. etc. That you know a lot of it isn't talked about. But I think specific to that report, the New York Times report. So that there was a there was a report by an organization, an NGO called Safeguard Defenders,、um, that looked at Chinese、uh, public security bureaus. Ba- basically, their source was they would go look at the websites of these site of these public security bureaus in China, regional, municipal, and they would be talking about how they had these overseas police stations in you、right. know all over the world. And the official line, once this report came out and people started talking about it, the official line from the like the foreign ministry and various embassies and it was in these countries was, oh, they're they're like to help people get driver's licenses, right? Renew driver's license. But the Chinese, but but the what they were saying in Chinese on their websites, a lot of these are now taken down. Was a lot more than that's、um, what that's what the Times reported、yeah. is that there were state media saying these are yeah. This all comes from the Safeguard. I'll, I'll they've done a couple of reports out from Safeguard Defenders, but and we we'll put that in the show notes. It ties into what, at least in the U.S., the FBI and the Department of Justice have been talking about this transnational repression, where there have been multiple cases of、uh, PRC security services operating in the U.S. or outsourcing their work to say private investigators or overseas Chinese、um, who, who are here, who have family members in China, business interests in China, to go after,、um, for example, what the Chinese say are fugitives. Yeah, and some and some are right. I mean, the, the, again, the, the, in a lot of cases, nobody's innocent in, in these in these situations. Although it's the U.S., so they they deserve a fair trial, right? Which which is the more likely to get here than in China. Yeah, but the、um, but so they're operating on U.S. soil. They're operating illegally. They're operating undeclared. And the FBI started re- they, they they started finding these cases a few years ago, and then and then it's really become it's become a much bigger issue both in the U.S. and then in other countries. Sort of how do you deal with Chinese security services operating outside their borders and in in your country? Totally. I mean, and, we talked about it in Toronto, I think, back in the fall. I wouldn't have guessed that they'd be bold enough to do it in New York City, and maybe that's my own naivete. But you know, it's very disturbing because we haven't even really gotten into some of the stories about what's happened to protesters who protested at the end of November and and how. Kind of dark and and scary. Yeah, their treatment has been, but the idea that then they can try to enforce that repression here、um, is certainly antithetical to everything the United States is all about. Well, and you also see it in the UK, where you know there there are a lot of people who've, who've 
from Hong Kong. Yeah. And you're seeing increasing amounts of uh, attempts at, at censoring and repressing Hong Kongers, uh, former Hong Kongers, talking about what's going on. And um, Sorry, I said to extricate a bottle cap from Tashi's mouth. Um, <laughs> and so, again, it's just, it's just a sense, and, and it's part of this growing recognition that the, the PRC state is very willing to operate outside its borders, what it's trying to enforce or trying to, trying to manage how or what people say about mm-hmm. um, China and the PRC. It's mostly directed towards the Chinese diaspora. Right. It's mostly directed towards what's being said in Chinese, but not solely. Well, and you can take the diaspora and say, okay, we're now going to penalize your family back home based on what you're saying. And it seems like that's some of what's happening is this is like a monitoring operation. But But it gets very it gets very difficult and complicated and messy because a lot of people or some people then lead into, well, all Chinese are suspect, which is wrong. Yeah. And it leads to, you know, I mean, we, we in the U.S., we have a horrible history of racism towards Chinese. We had a we had the, the Chinese Exclusion Act. We for, for decades, Chinese weren't allowed to emigrate to the U.S. Yeah. And, and or immigrate into the U.S. And and so so you have to figure out how do you how do you strike the balance between addressing the real and legitimate threats from the PRC nation state but not get into this broader sort of anti-Chinese hysteria that leads to racism and, and you know, anti-Chinese, anti-Asian hate and all the, you know, it's, it's a very, it's, and it's the problem. The problem is, is in our political environment, that's probably impossible. And, mm-hmm. and so it just, it just it gets, it it's, gets messier and messier and more and more dangerous for people. I don't think though, that given the way the PRC state acts, that you're going to see sort of the, the U.S. government, or say, for example, okay, we can't pursue these cases because th- it might cause more racism. Right, it, it's not going to happen, and so and that it, was my reaction to this question. I think what the urgent task actually is is finding a way to strike the balance between heightened vigilance and maintaining civil liberties in our country right. that are again like core to what we're all about right if we exactly we we can't we can't by going after these things we can't completely destroy our own values right and And those values are a strategic advantage in the long term in any competition with china i I mean there's another recent case a, a, a student from the prc at the berkeley college of music up in boston who just got arrested for i think for like cyber cyber stalking and and um other i think it was threats he yeah, basically it was he, harassment it, it was harassment because because somebody there was in a protest and i think it was i believe and i, I and i'm spacing i believe it was related to the november protest and they were protesting in boston and this person uh, uh, harassed them online said they were like threatened to cut their hands off and report them to the embassy and all this stuff and you know the fbi has started an outreach program to to basically to have to have gone out into the, into the community and said if you're getting harassed or threatened, let us know. Let us know because this is That's part good. of this transnational repression is- initiative they're pushing. Because again, it goes back to the the ability of the PRC state to threaten someone here who has family back in China, for example. They'll threaten. They don't. They can't necessarily th- do something to you here, but they can mess with your family. Exactly. And they do. And, and so it's a, it's a real problem. And it, it is, you know, for all the talk about, for example, TikTok and the craziness about TikTok, WeChat is also a huge problem because WeChat is the primary information environment for 
much of the overseas Chinese diaspora. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea, you know, that is control. I mean, their ability to monitor that is extending the PRC managed internet and managed information space globally to people using WeChat and and they can monitor it. And that it's just, it's just a, it's, it's very complicated. And in many ways, I think to the, to the person's question, the, the U S and other Western governments, other governments have been behind and they're starting to catch up. Um, to the question about the Facebook ads, I don't know if it's billions of dollars. I do, I do. It is a fair amount of money, but uh, you know what's interesting there is, uh, you know, Facebook runs bad ads from a lot of actors, right? Not, not just the PRC government, um, but that doesn't, you know, they, they, for example, I think you know the Facebook, like Twitter, like like YouTube, uh, you know, they they label like state state affiliated actors um yeah. China is one of the countries but what we don't see what's it, what i think is more interesting and is a bigger question and it's not just for facebook but it's for youtube and it's for twitter is the 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 way that the the prc state and the propaganda actors are using these american social media platforms globally not necessarily in the u.s but what they're doing in other languages or shape the image of china okay you know a positive china bad america and how they're doing it in in africa in latin america and the rest of asia Mm. uh and that is a um there's been some some folks trying to research that that's something that i think is a it it, you know it's, it's quite ironic that that part of the information you know and the chinese chinese are very clear i mean they see it as like they're in an information struggle sure part part of that shaping is done globally the, the the global shaping to effectively delegitimize or deposition the U.S. versus the PRC. It's done. I mean, they have TikTok, mm-hmm. but they still primarily have to use American social media platforms to to prosecute their information struggle. Right, which is really quite ironic. Yeah. Well, I hadn't considered their activity changing minds around the world as opposed to the u.s in the u.s that's the aspect of the question that i actually think is the least urgent um there are a lot of studies that say facebook ads actually don't convince as many people as we've been taught to fear over the last five years for all the money they spend on you know the 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 prc spends on things like their cctn which is their rebranded cctv national network you know the cctn is the overseas platform they have it in multiple languages and it's you know, the U.S. penetration, it's not its not influential in the U.S., mm-hmm. but rest of the world, developing countries, global south, well, and that's, developing it's countries. much more interesting. And they give it away. So Xinhua in a lot of countries is treated like a wire service like AP or Reuters is. Wow. Okay. And that, that's a longstanding, this predated Xi. This is a longstanding part of, their, of the, the, Chinese, the PRC strategy to um, what they call uh, like increase their global discourse, their, their international discourse power. Mm-hmm. These are sort of again, you know, their view, and it's not illegitimate. Is why should the West Western media be the ones who define the views of China? Right, right, right. And, and it's not, you know, around the world, Facebook is the portal to the internet for a lot of a lot countries. of people, right? Yeah. And so, and so, if you're if you're able to um, make it so that through ads or whatever that the primary news sources for people in other, these other countries are actually coming from like Xinhua or CCTN that could have a significant impact on how people view China and view, you know, America or countries that China is trying to deposition or delegitimize. 
All right, and that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive full episodes of this show, you can do that in two ways. First, you can go to Sinicism.com and sign up for Bill's newsletter, which will also give you access to all of our Sharp China shows. Or if you want to receive all our Sharp China episodes, along with daily analysis of the tech business from Ben Thompson, several other podcasts about technology, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come, you can click the link in your show notes and subscribe to Stratechery Plus.